Hello everyone, welcome back to the Podcast Was Good, a podcast by the Crimson Quarry Network. This is your host, Jacob Rude, joining me, as always, Austin. Austin, how are you, bud? I'm doing alright, man. How about you? I've got nothing to complain about. Um, it's it's a, been lovely weather of late. IU football is one, so it's not a lot to complain about right now. Um, before we jump in, as, as, uh, I mentioned, IU football wins this week. Should be a much happier podcast than our, uh, return one last week. But before we get into that, um, some of you guys who listened last week may have searched for us on Spotify, Apple, all those places. We weren't there yet because we didn't have a podcast feed until last week, but we are there. Anywhere, just about anywhere you listen to podcasts will be available. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, um, TuneIn, I believe we're there. If, if we're not anywhere, um, let us know. Either tweet at us, comment on the, um, on the post, or get a hold of us somehow. Let us know. We will get that worked out so we are, but... We should be much more accessible now. You should be able to find us in a whole lot of places. Some of you might even be listening in those places. But you can add us to your uh, whatever app you have, whatever feed you have. Hopefully it will be a little easier to find the podcast moving forward. So we're excited about that, just as we're excited that IU figured out how to win football games again. Um, as we talked about last week, as we predicted, turned out UConn was really bad, and IU... Wasn't quite as bad as we thought, um, or at least as bad as they looked against Ohio State. Uh, we're not going to dwell a ton of time on this because, to be honest, it was a really, really, for the most part, ugly game after about the first quarter or so. Um, so we're going to do it this way. Austin, give me your one big positive from the UConn game. I think that my my one big positive from this last game was that the the running game kind of got going a little bit. I, I mean, it wasn't a special day on the ground for the Hoosiers, but it was better than we've seen in the past. I mean, Stevie Scott picked up 97 yards, was just picking up yards in chunks, you know, 4.6 yards a carry for him, which that, that was better than we've seen for the first few weeks of the season, so... I was kind of happy to, to see him and, you know, Samson James and Ronnie Walker and just a few of other guys that got shuffled in kind of just picking up yards on the ground and just keeping time for the offense. And I think that's something that they need to build on moving forward. This is, I think, without question, the best the run game has looked, um, which you would hope against UConn, but... I mean, IU struggled in these spots earlier this year against Ball State. Um, so it was positive to see the run game get going, especially considering the circumstances around the line, which we'll touch on in just a second. For me, my one big positive, for as much as I rag on the guy, I kind of have to point out when he does well, and Peyton Ramsey did do well. Um, he only had four, he only had four incompletions, one of them, was an interception, but nonetheless, he was 23 of 27, 247 yards, three touchdowns. Um, 
these are the types of games that he needs to be this good. As we talked about last week, basically he's a re- he's a game managing quarterback, and this is the type of game that he should be able to have success in, and he did. Um, so he looked fine. The offense looked, at least under Ramsey, much better. Probably the best it has been under Ramsey this year, which is a low bar considering the only other game was Ohio State. But um, it was positive. It was comfortable. Um, didn't really need to worry much in the second half, and um, maybe you could just take a nap in the second half. I'm sure many people did. Uh, the negative, I think I speak for both of us, is obviously the Koi Kronk injury. Um, we spent a good chunk of last week talking about how poor the offensive line had been playing, and then they went and lost arguably their best offensive lineman, um, at least the most experienced one for sure. Um how big of a loss is, is losing Kronk? I think that, you know, my first reaction was that it was a huge loss. You know, I mean, it's one of your veteran guys. I mean, you're one of your two guys, I would say, you know, you mentioned that he's, he might be your best. And I think it was between Kronk and Hunter Littlejohn, who was the best offensive lineman on the team. But now that I've kind of, you know, taken a few days to kind of think about it and I mean we saw Matthew Bedford come in who is a young guy but at the same time he he seemed like he was playing just fine obviously it'll be a different beast going forward it's not going to be UConn every week but I, I think that maybe the loss won't be as big as people think it will be but at the same time it will still be something significant it's definitely not something you want to happen in the slightest it's really hard to find any kind of positive spin on this. I guess the fact that he could, if he wants it, have a fifth year of eligibility, um, he can redshirt this year, um, would be the positive that you could spin on it. Um, in terms of IU itself, the positive that you can spin on it is that the offensive line didn't look really that bad without him, as you mentioned. Um, again, I don't know how much to put, or how much, I mean, UConn's bad, basically. I don't know how much that factored into it. A lot like how we said last week, Ohio State's really good and made everyone look bad. This is the exact opposite scenario, where UConn's really bad and made everyone look good. Um, so I don't really know which, how much to put into that. Um, they kind of shifted the line around a little bit. I think Jones was playing left tackle. Yeah, Jones got shuffled over to the left side, and Bedford played right tackle, I believe. Yeah, so you definitely don't want a newbie in there at right tackle, and I'd imagine I'd be surprised if that isn't the way they line up moving forward the uh, rest of the season. So that really, it stinks because these are, these are the types of games where you just want to get through healthy. And so any loss... Is going to hurt, and one as big as that for a line that already has been struggling is that was a huge loss. That that one really stung. Um, last thing I want to talk about for the UConn game: uh, the defense held UConn to three points. Again, with all the caveats we mentioned, is there any more reason to have optimism with this defense moving forward? 
Well, I, I mean, we saw what Cam Jones could do against UConn. I, I, he's a guy that people have been, you know, oh, he's flashing. You know, you can you can see that he's got this talent here and there and, you know, whatever. But in the third quarter, I, I think that you really saw him come out and he had that interception. He had a big tackle on a third down. He was making plays. He was flying around. And I, I think that he's a, a good example of, what the the younger guys on this defense are capable of. I, I think that the 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 bright side of this defense has always been that there are a bunch of young guys out there who are really talented, really athletic, and I think that Cam Jones showed that and showed what those guys can do against UConn. I don't know if we'll see much more of it moving forward because you know Big Ten play might be brutal, but I, I think that if you want a positive to take away from the defense, it's that those young guys can play, especially when they get opportunities like Cam Jones did. It'll be interesting to see. Um, I mean, it never hurts to have a performance like this, no matter who the opponent is. Um, if nothing else, it it gives you some confidence, kind of lifts the spirits a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's. I mean, that's the thing with this defense. We talked. If nothing else, this kind of stems of the tide. We kind of flirted with the idea last week of whether um, Tom Allen would step in and take over. I would imagine that talk is gone now, probably for the rest of the season after this performance. Yeah, I would agree. Um, But, yeah, the defense, I thought, looked a lot better. They did a lot of things that they needed to do. Um, Erase some concerns especially considering we're about ready to head right into the meat of the Big Ten season, and they need to be playing well. So that's all we're going to talk about on the UConn game. Uh, it was a big win. It was. These are the games you have to win if you want to go bowling, um, if you're IU at least. So it was a very important win in that regard. So we will take our break and preview Michigan State on the other side of this break. So, Michigan State game, for the last couple of years, has kind of been... This isn't the first time we've looked at the Michigan State game and thought, this will be this can be when they break through, basically. Um, which is basically how we're going to look at this game this season. I believe... Um, well, I know in 2016, we were talking before we went live... Um, we were both in attendance when Indiana did beat Michigan State. Um, beat them in overtime. I believe Griffin Oaks needed a couple tries to make the winning field goal. Um, got bailed out by a penalty, I think, late. But makes a field goal in overtime. Fans storm the field. Um, everybody thinks this, this the program's finally broken through. Everything's changed. And then they went 6-7. and seven. Um, yeah, big sigh. Uh, last year they were three and zero. Yeah. Um, well, last year they were three and zero going into the Michigan State game. They lose by fourteen. Um, this has been a reoccurring trend. Austin, how do they buck this trend and actually win this game this week? Obviously, let's just get the the foremost thing out of the way first. A lot of it is going to depend on whether or not Michael Penix Jr. plays. 
I, I think that that's the main focus of just about everybody for the last few days. Um, so we might as well just get that out of the way. It's not clear whether or not he's going to play. Tom Allen said that he is practicing, he's throwing in practice, but he's still going to be a game time decision. It's still wait and see. It's still, you know, if he's good to go, then he can go. If he's not good to go, then he's not good to go. But basically Tom Allen, he didn't dance around it per se, but he didn't give us a definitive answer because for whatever reason he can't. So um, I I think that if if Penix Jr. can play and the Hoosier offense can go out there and they can – just scratch something together against a really, really good Michigan State defense, maybe there's a chance. Now, if Peyton Ramsey's out there and the Spartans are putting eight men in the box on every single play and Indiana doesn't somehow exploit that, then they're doomed because that Spartan defense is brutal. Yeah, so... Before we start talking too much about Michigan State itself, that Penix was going to be the first thing I brought up. Um, as you said, he's practicing this week. He's throwing this week. Not entirely sure. I basically, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some gamesmanship in this. Definitely. Yeah, in the sense that they know Penix is going to be ready, but there's no reason to tip their hand now um, because really. It's two different, entirely different game plans if it's Penix or if it's Ramsey. You're not putting eight in the box against Penix. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little gamesmanship. As we said and as we saw, IU didn't need Penix to beat um, UConn. And as your tinfoil theory went, they probably weren't going to beat Ohio State with him anyway. So the hope is that, I mean, he set out over half of the game the week prior um the eastern illinois game yeah yeah i was blanking on who so he set out for two and a half games now you would hope that his shoulder would be able to rest and get to a point where he can play i would imagine i would be surprised if he didn't play on saturday yeah, I think that, I mean, like I said last week, the I think that the target date has always been this Michigan State game since he went out, you know, and they figured out what was wrong. They were always looking at this game and saying that this is the one where he was going to going to be back. Now, uh, our dear friend Cheesy Cheesy 3, formerly known as Cheesy Cheesy 2, had a even bigger tinfoil hat theory than I had. His theory that he was sharing with us uh, earlier on Thursday was that Michael Penix was never hurt and that this was all an elaborate ruse so that the Spartans don't have any Michael Penix Jr. tape to watch. <laughs> I love it. They, he, IU quickly realized how good he, he was and thought, man, we need to hide this guy as long as possible. Yeah, yeah. They knew that they were going to lose to Ohio State. They knew they were going to beat UConn, so... They were just they were just saving it saving it up. They're going to use Penix as a surprise against the Spartans, and, and they just didn't want him to have any tape, so they've held him out for the last two and a half weeks. Um, there was a bit of a hint or a suggestion, I think, from uh, Allen that they might both play Penix and Ramsey. I am 
staunchly against playing multiple quarterbacks. And that could largely be due to me being scarred from having to watch Trey Roberson and Edward Wright Baker split snaps in 2011 and Dusty Keel thrown in there. And Nate Sudfeld and Trey Roberson split snaps in 2013. Um, it didn't work in either case and I don't think it works, period. I, there, there's just so many reasons why it would, sh- why you can't do that. Especially when you have a quarterback like Ramsey and a quarterback like Penix. Um, so many things change. The play calls change. The way you play changes. And you really can't get into a flow doing that. Um, what's your take on playing multiple quarterbacks? I think that it's an enormous gamble. Because I, I think that if you're doing that, you're playing Ramsey for the most part because it means that Penix isn't fully healthy yet. So basically, you're just throwing in Penix when you think you can or need a big play. And the thing is, is that we've seen with Penix that at times he does both good and bad things. You know, he, he could always go in and he doesn't have enough reps. He, he hasn't gotten into a rhythm and he throws a pick. And then what are you supposed to do from there? That you're just shooting yourself in the foot. But on the other hand, maybe he comes in and he throws a 60 yard touchdown pass and then boom, you're, you're back in the game. Put, put Ramsey back in there to manage the game. So I, I just, I don't like it personally. I, I think it feels too, it feels too unpredictable in the sense of you, you, you don't really know what's gonna. It, it might throw off both quarterbacks mm-hmm. instead of instead of you know bringing out the best in both of them. You might get the worst of both of them, which you know you, you don't want the worst of Peyton Ramsey uh, if you're gonna rely on him to play a significant portion of this game. So I, I think that if Mike Penix is healthy, you play Mike Penix. If Mike Penix isn't healthy enough to play a full game, then you don't play him at all. 100% agree. Um, so looking at Ohio State, or no, not Ohio State, Michigan State, um, this is an interesting team. They, um, last week, I believe they, yeah, they beat Northwestern pretty easily. Um, and so... Basically, I was trying to think of a, a nice way to say this. Their offense sucks, and their defense is really good. Is that basically the MO of this team? Uh, yeah, that's more or less what I've gathered. Um, basically, from the preseason and then going through each and every week, the defense is really good. Just tremendously, tremendously good. I, I mean, SP+. Plus, has the Spartan defense ranked as the best in the country. Like, none other. Like, Clemson's not better. Alabama's not better. Ohio State's not better. It, Michigan State is the number one defense in the country right now, according to SP+. And that's pretty scary. And, and I mean, you, you look at who they have on this defense. They've got a guy in Kenny Willickis who's an absolute monster. He's going to be in the NFL one day probably sooner rather than later. You've also got a guy like Raekwon Williams, who is another monster on the defensive line. Their, their front seven is just really, really solid. They, they just 
they'll eat you up. I, I mean, the IU rushing attack could be in big trouble this Saturday because Michigan State is just that good up front. So, yeah, the bad news, they're a better defense than what we saw in Ohio State, at least on paper so far. Um, and we saw how poorly the offense played against that Ohio State defense. But, yeah, the good news is this isn't a Justin Fields-led offense. Um, this is an offense that struggles. Um, they are averaging... A decent amount of yardage, 407 yards per game, but they've had a couple, couple uh, big blowouts in there. Um, one of those was against Western Michigan. Um, Tulsa, Western Michigan, and Northwestern are their three wins. Um, not exactly a murderer's row so far, but I mean, still, at the same time, their defense speaks for itself. Um, when you look at the offense. And as we talked about the last couple of weeks, IU's had some questions defensively. Um, do you see this IU defense being able to contain Michigan State? And potentially, it's a defense that needs to be able to turn the ball over. At least that's where they found success the last couple seasons. Can you see them having success on that end? I think so. I, I mean, you look at who the Spartans have on offense and... It's just not an inspiring group of players. I mean, in the past, the, the great Spartan teams, you know, the great Spartan running backs are where you look. And, you know, it's Le'Veon Bell and, you know, uh, the last couple seasons, LJ Scott and a handful of guys in between who have gone on to play in the NFL, you know. And, and this season, their leading rusher is Elijah Collins and okay. Uh, his name doesn't strike fear into my heart like, you know, Le'Veon Bell did, which, I mean, is hard, but at the same time, they they don't have that in the backfield this year. They don't have the X factor, the star power, the whatever you want to label it. They don't have that superstar running back who's going to, you know, punch the IU defense in the mouth. And at the same time, under center, they have the same dude that they've had under center for however many years now. Um, famously, Brian Lewerke was rated as being two jars of Hellman's <laughs> by our Chris Schutte last year. Um, not, not quite as mayo as Brian Hoyer, but more mayo than Andrew Maxwell and Tyler O'Connor, uh, for those of you keeping score at home. Um, Brian Lewerke does as little for me as a quarterback as just about anybody in the country. He, he's he's extremely, extremely a human body that goes out on the football field and hands the ball off and stuff. I, I mean, he might as well be Peyton Ramsey as far as I'm concerned. I, I mean, they're they're one they're out of the same mold. They just uninspiring. Not really much of an X factor. I mean, Lewerke is fine with his legs, I guess. Uh, he, he can do a little, he's a little bit of a dual threat, which makes him, you know, less mayo than Kirk Cousins. Um, so I'm just, I'm not terribly scared of the Michigan State offense at all, really. I, I just, I don't see if, you know, where, where the Hoosiers can't try to just 
limit them. And I think it's going to be a slugfest for that exact reason. I think that both defenses should have the advantage, and it'll basically come down to big plays. So, I mean, to me it screams the game from 2017 where Michigan State won 17-9, and it was a 9-3 game, IU leading in the fourth quarter, past the midway point of the fourth quarter. Um, you mentioned Ramsey and how Mayo he is. We may have to ask Chris to get an official Mayo ranking um, for Peyton Ramsey, where he would slide in with those Michigan State quarterbacks. But um, can IU win this game if Peyton Ramsey is a quarterback? I My brain wants to say no. Um, but everything else is telling me that yes, it is still possible. I, I, I just said it a second ago, but I honestly think that this, this game will be ugly. It will be unwatchable at times. And the final score will probably be like 20 to 12 somehow. And it'll really come down to, you know, does Kalen DeBoer dial up a Donovan Hale touchdown pass again? You know, can the Hoosiers scratch out a big play here, a big play there, or will it be the Spartans that come out and they'll find a big play here or a big play there? And, you know, maybe the difference in the game is one blown coverage. You know, I I honestly think that that's how this game is going to play out. And now that I've said this, it'll be the complete opposite. Well, that's essentially what happened um, in that uh, game I was just talking about. It wasn't a blown coverage. It it was blown tackling, basically, that Michigan State took the lead on. Um, S&P, for this matchup, um, actually has the projected margin being Michigan State by 7.3 points with a 66% chance of winning. the scores rounded is actually an eight-point margin, but 26-18 is a projected score. I personally think that's a little on the high side. I think the interesting thing is that Michigan State is favored by 14. Um, maybe Vegas really thinks Ramsey's going to play, and I think that line would make sense. Uh, if Penix plays and you're able to get that line which I don't know that there'll be enough time between kickoff and or whenever it's announced in kickoff for you to get that line. But if Penix is playing and you can get that line at minus 14, I would take it. Uh, depending on how confident you are in Penix playing, uh, certain people probably smashed that line on Monday. Yeah. Uh, w- when it came out, because um, between SP Plus and the suspension, the the suspicion that Ram or Penix will be returning, that that's a line that you should pick up if you can still find it. I would I mean I'm not I'm not Swick or or Alex. I'm not one of the, the betting guys. I'm not one of the best bets guys, but I have a feeling they would tell you the same thing. If you can still find that line maybe. You might want to think about it. Yeah. Um the over under is forty four and a half. Um Again, that seems kind of high. Um, I think that's like right where SP Plus had the score too, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're almost right. On the, almost on the nose. Yeah, they have the score at 44. Um, 
but I, I mean maybe. Uh, I was looking at best bets this week. Both Alex and Kyle, if you want more informed opinions, took Indiana. Uh, the line they had was fourteen and a half, which is even better. Yeah, that was the opening line, I believe. Yeah, so um, in that regard, if you want to make some money, um, bet on IU this weekend because it makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, uh, you kind of gave a score prediction. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot to give an official one. What is your um, prediction for the final score Saturday? Let's get super weird and make it even tighter. I'm gonna go with um, Michigan. Er, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Indiana 17, Michigan State 14. I just did it. It happened. It's done. Hoosiers Hoosiers winning. Hashtag nine Indiana. Um, I think Penix plays, and because of that, I think it'll be close. Man. I mean, this is one where the heart's saying go for IU and the head saying it's IU. Um, I, I won't, I won't jump there yet. I will say, but I will say it'll be weird. It'll be something like Michigan State, like 19, Indiana 17 or something dumb like that. It'll be a close game. I think it'll be a one score game. Um, and I mean, personally, I don't think this is hitting the over/under. But again, we're not Swick and Alex. Don't don't we're we're the worst bets of the week. We are not the best bets of the week. Um, last thing we didn't touch on last week, we probably should have, and we're gonna make this a regular kind of segment um, in the show. It may come at the beginning when IU football starts sucking. It may stay around here. We don't know, but. Um, we're not just a football school, or I guess we are a football school, but the other football. Um, Indiana soccer is well on uh, their way to the start of the season. Um, I'll start off first. We're not going to dive too deep into this because IU has a bye week coming up, football, that will probably dive pretty deep into soccer. Um, first, Austin, um, give us a bit of a rundown. I know Indiana lost not only their best player, but probably the best player in the nation last uh, from last season. Who there are a couple guys who are leading the team this season? So, like you said, IU lost 10 of 11 starters from last year's team, and because of that, there are loads of new faces. I, I mean, just everywhere, all over the starting lineup. Um, I, I think that really so far early in the season, the guys that you've seen kind of on the forefront are some of the younger guys. Uh, I, I've written about this a few times on the site, but I, I think that Jack Mayer is such an important player. He is a sophomore center back uh, for those who haven't followed along. Um, he's got two goals so far this season. He didn't have any last year as a true freshman. He's the only returning starter, uh, and he's a lot more mature than uh, – he then his age he came in as a freshman but he wasn't a normal freshman in the slightest so I, I think that he's possibly a guy who could go pro after this season and be just fine uh he just does a little bit of everything really good center back um so he's one big player um another big player is joshua penn uh true freshman 
one of the biggest recruits that IU's gotten in recent years. Um, he's actually played for Indy 11 before coming to IU. I believe he's got one goal on the year so far, but he plays out on the wing, really pacey, creative, fun kind of guy out there. Um, he's been really, really important so far in attack just because he kind of opens things up for everybody else. Um, and then the leading goal scorer is Ian Black, a uh, guy who broke out last spring, uh, was kind of buried on the depth chart for the early part of his career, but now he, he finally got his chance last spring and now he's capitalizing on it. He, uh, he's got three goals so far. He plays out on the wing. He can play up top and attack. So he kind of plays all over the place, kind of gives IU some options. Um, he's been out with an injury recently, but he, uh, he should be coming back relatively soonish. I, I wouldn't expect him to be out for a while. So to just kind of breeze over it lightly, those are three guys who have kind of been a, a, a big deal, even though this team is really, really versatile. And when we actually go through and we go in depth, I could probably talk for an hour without you interrupting me because there's so many fun guys on this team. I, I can't explain enough how fun and young and diverse and just the, the different skill sets that play off of each other. It's a really fun group. So for those of you that might miss chaos team of uh, yesteryear for football, you want to tune into this soccer team because boy, do they love an overtime. Um, yeah, I have not watched a game firsthand yet. I have followed along for basically every game on Twitter and here's how their season has gone so far. They started August 30th, double overtime win over Pittsburgh, uh, two nights, well, three nights later, double overtime win over UCLA. Then at South Bend, an overtime win over Denver, a double overtime draw against Seattle, at home against Notre Dame, number 16 Notre Dame, a double overtime draw, and then they won uh, their first Big Ten game against Wisconsin, and then suffered their first loss on Tuesday of this week against Butler. Um it sounded like a game where IU dominated the, the statistics, but not the goals. Was that kind of the case? Awesome. Yeah, I mean, looking at the box score, it, it tells a big part of the story. I, I mean, IU had 18 shots. Butler had five. And yet Butler had two goals. Indiana had one. The, the Hoosiers basically dominated the ball. They dominated the chances. They dominated corner kicks nine to zero. They, they, Basically, everything on the box score would indicate an Indiana win other than the goals. So it's just, it was one of those games where the Hoosiers kind of, you know, they got out and they were, you know, getting their chances. They weren't capitalizing on them. And then Butler squeaked in a goal on their first shot. And then from there, Indiana, you know, I, I think I remember, you know, somebody who was up at the game saying that, you know, the players looked a little shook on the field. You know, they, they weren't exactly themselves, but then, you know, and then they get two goals down, and then when you're two goals down in, I believe, the, the 54th minute or so, that's not a great spot to be in. They managed to make a little run at a comeback uh, with Jack Mayer scoring a late goal. Um, they even had a chance at the very end of regulation to score a tying goal, but they just... It, the breaks didn't go Indiana's way in that game. Uh, I'm not really concerned about it. I obviously not a great loss, but 
you basically did everything that you could do to win that game. It just, it just, it wasn't going to happen. Indiana and Butler and soccer have had a fun little rivalry too. Yeah. Um, Butler's usually, I don't think they're ranked this year, but usually they're ranked. They're always a solid team. Um, and they've always, they always play really close games last year being the exception to that, but always really fun, really exciting games. So, um, IU plays Sacramento State um, next, and I'm trying to pull up the schedule real quick. On Friday, well, tonight, as you're listening to this, then they will play at Northwestern on Tuesday before we're back to talk to you again. Um, as we said, we're going to dive deeper into this team uh, in a couple weeks when IU has a bye week. Um, but for now, tune into this team. They are probably the favorite in the Big Ten. Um, I, was, I would say so. It's either them or Maryland, but right now Maryland's kind of on the fringes of the top 25. They're, they're, they were a little overhyped at the beginning of the season, and now they kind of they came back down to earth. I, I would say that I use the favorite, but don't sleep on Maryland. Yeah, and it's a fun team, a young team, basically a new team. Um, so tune in, get to uh, get familiarize yourself with some faces and uh, enjoy this new Indiana soccer team. Um, but that will do it for us this week. Um, we, again, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, basically wherever you can find the podcast, uh, or wherever you can find podcasts, we are there. Um, leave us a rating and review if you can. Helps us out tremendously. Um, and, uh, let us know if we're not anywhere or if you have a different app that you use and we're not on there. Let us know and we'll get that worked out so we can uh, help you guys out and make a, our podcast a little more easily accessible for you. But um, we'll be back next week hopefully talking about a four-win Indiana team, almost halfway to nine-win Indiana, and uh, hopefully a, a big breakthrough win uh, next week. So. Uh, enjoy as much as you can football this weekend, and we will be back with you guys next week.